Welcome back to Feeding the Family with Dr. Kristen. I'm your host, Kristen Saxena. On today's episode of the podcast, we're going to be talking about a topic that is in all of the headlines right now, and that is the baby formula shortage that we're seeing here in the United States. Welcome to Feeding the Family with Dr. Kristen, where we help you navigate the challenges of feeding your family and learn about the role food plays in our health and relationships. Feeding and food relationships can be stressful, confusing, and even destructive. I'm Kristen Saxena, a pediatrician and mother of four who's been researching and sharing what I've learned about feeding for over 10 years. In this podcast, I'll share my experience and expertise to help our kids and ourselves with everyday survival tips for real parents. This podcast is about progress, not perfection. So let's get started. So this baby formula shortage that we're seeing is a topic that you'll see on headlines throughout the news. And, you know, for some people, it's obviously a topic that's hitting extremely close to home. And for others that maybe don't have kids in this age group, it might be something they're hearing about but wondering more about. Um, And so I was really eager to address this topic on our podcast because I think it's super important to investigate how did this come about and also to talk a little bit about, you know, what are good things we can be doing and what are some things to avoid in this scenario. So this, for parents that are kind of in the trenches and dealing with this as a reality of life, um, it's really easy to understand how this is actually quite a terrifying situation. And as far as I know, this is really unprecedented. This is, I've never in my life seen a situation in the United States where on a huge large scale, we have parents seriously concerned that they're not gonna have appropriate food to feed their infants. And it's important to realize the scope of this issue in the United States, uh, you know, after six months of age, we see about 75% of infants receiving formula as some part of their diet. And the thing is, is that if you don't have breast milk, the real only alternative is formula. So people are left in a situation where they feel like they're out of options. And what has happened is that at this point, you know, we're recording this in May and early earlier this month, we're seeing 40% shortage of baby formulas on our shelves in our stores. So in today's episode, I really wanted to talk a lot about how did this come to be and how do we deal with it? The first subject I want to talk about, how do we get here? Why did this happen? And really, this is something that has been brewing or that has been an issue since 2020. I mean, the formula industry, like seemingly almost every industry, has been dealing with significant supply chain issues since 2020 related to the COVID-19 pandemic. But I think, you know, the reason that we really are seeing currently this significant issue that has struck us is what happened was in February of this year, we saw um, a very large formula producing factory get shut down because of concerns of contamination of the formula. And so in order to fully understand this, you kind of have to understand something about the formula industry and the way that we handle infant formula in our country. So really, there are very few uh, companies that manufacture formula in the United States. There's really four large companies that produce almost all of the formula in our country. And the other thing to understand is beyond having not that many 
companies that produce formula. There's actually relatively few factories that produce the formula. And some of the reason for that, I mean, I'm sure there's lots of economics that go into that decision making, but part of it is that the good and the bad is that the FDA, the Food and Drug Administration, very closely regulates uh, formula in order to ensure that it has specific nutrient qualities and specific um, sanitary qualities to make sure that it's safe for our babies, which sounds wonderful. But of course, you know, having to adhere to these standards and having to have very specific ways that the formula is being made has created the situation where we have very few actual factories producing it. And so what happened is we had this uh, factory that was owned by Abbott, one of the largest formula makers in our country, get shut down. And it was perhaps the largest or one of the largest plants that produces the formula. And so an Abbott makes uh, Similac and Alimentum and Elicare, as well as several other smaller or store brands. And so what has happened is once that got shut down, uh, the production of formula in this country became so low that it wasn't able to meet the demands of the people that we have here. In addition to that, we have a situation where we, the FDA also regulates that we don't really, um, they regulate very heavily getting any imported formula. So we're very reliant on our production right here in the United States. And so even though when that factory shut down, they've made efforts to ramp up production at other facilities, they aren't able to do so at a rate that's able to keep up with our demand. So as we discussed, that we see lots and lots of families being affected by this, but as I look at it, there's really been two specific groups that have been most heavily impacted by this shortage. Um, the first are those families that rely on specialty formulas. So those kids that have um, underlying medical issues that cause them to require some of those um, more specialized formulas, specifically like a Elicare. And for them, the real risk here is that for a lot of those kids, there really aren't a lot of alternatives. So this becomes like a very um, significant issue for them if they're not able to access the formula that they need. And you know, as a as a corollary to that, specifically this plant that got shut down was one that produced a lot of these specialty formulas. So for them, they're they're not having a lot of alternatives, and specifically their supply has been significantly impacted. The other families that we're seeing to be most significantly impacted by this have been our low-income families. And the reason for that is um, basically that a lot of families uh, that are low-income benefit from what's called our WIC program or our Women, Infant, Children program. And that program is a program that's designed to help women and infants and specifically a lot of they work the work that they do is to help provide food and nutrition. And so as part of that, generally states, state by state, their WIC program will contract with a specific formula company and they will be responsible for purchasing um, a large percentage, like 40% of the formula. And we see like half of families benefiting from these WIC programs. So for those states that had been contracted with Similac or these Abbott formulas, um, 
initially we really saw a lot of issues for them because they didn't have a lot of other alternatives. Now, since that time, they have been able to um, start to create a scenario where our our families that are using WIC are now able to purchase formula through WIC that is from other vendors. But that has been only a new uh, change that we've seen sort of on this landscape. And so initially it was like a big panic as we saw these families who are low income using WIC and not able to access the formula that WIC was requiring them to use. Then for our parents that are actually in the trenches dealing with this, they're asking themselves, okay, well, what do I do? Like I'm, maybe you have formula, but you're super worried this is on the horizon. What am I gonna do? And it's really easy to understand, you know, I think that people are seeing maybe on social media and there's all kinds of suggestions about what you should do. And what happens, you know, I worry a lot about these families because there's nobody I think more desperate than a parent that's worried about how they're gonna feed their child. And so it's understandable how they might make some choices that might not in the long run be beneficial or healthy for their child because they're so worried. So the first thing I wanna start with is, let's talk about what not to do. And so number one, and this, this might be the hardest for some parents in this situation, is I would highly advise do not stockpile formula. And I think that that's hard to say, we, you know, we're all coming out where we couldn't even buy toilet paper at Costco because everybody was hoarding and stockpiling things. But the truth is, is that you know, it's easy to understand that by stockpiling formula, taking more than you need, we literally are taking, you know, food out of the mouths of other babies and other families that need this formula. Um, and it is important, and we'll talk about this a little bit later in the episode, to realize that there are things being done about this, and more formula is being produced now than it was this time last year. And so this is not a problem that we anticipate continuing um, for months and years to come. So it is something, you know, there is a light at the end of the tunnel, and so stockpiling formula is not advisable. Um, the other recommendation I would say, do not make your own formula. So I have seen it, Facebook groups, mom groups, all um, over the internet are recipes about how to make your own formula. And the truth is, is that formula is comes from a very specific set of um they have very specific recipes for the formula and it's because it's based on the exact nutritional needs of infants which are very specific um, so not only if you're making these formula recipes are you at risk for not providing your baby with the caloric and macro and micronutrients that they need to grow and develop and be healthy but like I had alluded to before there's also very stringent um, sanitation and uh, rules by the FDA that talk about the way that the formula is made. So not only that, but the ingredients that you would be using are certainly unlikely to be following these FDA standards. And so the safety, even if the nutrition was correct and adequate, which it's very unlikely to be, the safety risk factor is also there. So I would highly, highly advise not to make your own formula. A lot of these recipes that we're seeing are either based on like cow's milk or uh, goat's milk, which obviously uh, most formulas in the United States are cow's milk based, but they have lots of other added ingredients. And cow's milk or goat's milk are not uh, appropriate nutrition sources on their own for human babies. So I highly, highly advise parents do not 
um, try to make your own formulas at home. The other thing I, w- I have seen and that I would be super careful about is, um, and I know this is a lot of times coming from very well-meaning people on the internet, but it would be to take a formula from unknown sources. So particularly like any sort of open containers or anything like that, I would just be um, very careful about who you are sourcing your formula from because again, um, you just wanna make sure that it's been kept safely and it's something that's safe to feed your baby. Finally, um, I would highly advise parents to make sure that you're not diluting your formula to try to stretch it out. I think that that would be, it's very easy to see why that might be tempting, especially if you feel like you're running out, you don't know where you're gonna get um, your next container of formula. Um, But again, you know, it is true, like feeding infants, it's kind of like a, a very specialized science. And so when we dilute the formula, we are, you know, they're not getting the nutrients, they're not getting the calories that they need, and you actually are at risk um, for metabolic and electrolyte imbalances in the baby when they end up getting more water than formula that they need. The other one too, same idea, is not to use, there are toddler formulas on the market and not to think that you can use a toddler formula for your infant, um, because again, those toddler formulas are not designed for the specific nutrition requirements that we see in infants. Okay, so I talked a lot about what not to do. Uh, So what do we do? Uh, We're in this situation and I know, like I said, I can completely empathize with parents. This sounds like a very terrifying situation. So what do we do? So number one, if you are a parent and your child falls into that category of kids that requires a specialized formula like Elicare, call your pediatrician. Um, Those are the kids where choosing an alternative if necessary needs to be a discussion that uh, you have with your medical professional and takes into consideration, you know, all of your child's personal and medical needs. So number one, I would just definitely say if you fall into that category, absolutely consult with your pediatrician and they will help you figure out what your options are and how to source that formula. Number two would be if you're not a parent whose child falls into one of those categories that requires specialized formula. And I'm talking about, um, you know, Elicare and really those prescription specialized formulas. Most parents that said, you know, feel like they have a brand preference or they have a formula that they feel like, you know, their baby does best on. And I can completely relate to that having fed my kids formula. Um, you have your preference, you have the one that you know that they do best on. But I would say my advice to you would be be open to purchasing formulas from other brands, other companies. Because kind of like we alluded to before, the good and the bad, the good part is is that formulas in this country are all you know, FDA regulated. They have very, very similar nutrient profiles. And even if it means, you know, it might be a formula that Uh, your baby is more fussy on or it might be a you know you prefer to get the organic formula versus the non-organic well kind of like broccoli maybe you prefer to get the organic broccoli but the conventional broccoli will will do good in a pinch so same idea you know it might not be ideal but you can feel very confident in the fact that this is a safe uh, nutritionally complete food for your infant 
The other thing I would say is if you're still having trouble finding even other brands is again, I would recommend that you go talk to your pediatrician. Pediatricians um, often have uh, supplies in their clinics. If not, they are very much um, tied in with not only formula vendors, but also the resources in your community and can help to direct you to where you might be able to source some good formula for your baby. Uh, the final thing I would say is I think milk banks are an option and maybe maybe if it's something you hadn't considered before, uh, milk banks are where people can donate uh, breast milk and they actually ensure that the milk is safe and kept in a safe way. And we are starting to see more demand for milk banks as well as more donations to milk banks as people are trying to help other parents out in these scenarios. So that might be another viable option or at least something to look into if you feel like that's a good fit for your family. So as I mentioned earlier, um, there is a light at the end of this terrifying tunnel. Uh, there is a lot going on in this country to help to alleviate this significant concern in the short term. So President Biden recently enacted what's called the Defense Production Act. And basically what that does is it helps, um, it's put formula production at the forefront, allowing resources to go specifically to that um, as opposed to other things to help to ramp up production in a more timely manner. What we're also seeing is, um, you know, we talked a little bit about how um, importing formulas is something that's been significantly restricted in the past by the FDA. So they're starting to uh, loosen up on those restrictions. Certainly, they're still investigating all of the formulas that we're importing to ensure that they meet all of our safety standards, but looking at ways to expedite that process so that we're able to import formula from other countries, um, specifically a lot from Europe, to increase our supply here. On the flip side, also at the same time, starting to look at um, reducing significantly the formula that we generally produce for export and making sure that it's available here for domestic consumption. Also, um, the Department of Health and Human Services has recently put up a new website to help families source a safe formula in their own communities. And so that's certainly another way that the government's helping us out and that you can look and um, see you know, if those resources can help you find or source safe formula in your own community. Um, also, they're working with that large plant in uh, Michigan to help them reopen and uh, resume production safely. So that is already in process as well. And um, so we should see it. The unfortunate part is, you know, it's not something that can happen overnight. And so it's probably going to take several weeks before we see them actually able to ramp production back up to what they were doing and hopefully even more. But that process is definitely happening now. So all of these things I think are contributing in the short term to get us back to where we were. Um, in the long term, I think, you know, this obviously shed a light on the fact that um, there are definitely holes and risk factors in the way that we're handling formula production in our country. Uh, you know, if we look at the fact that this has been something that has been significantly impacted by supply chain issues for the last two years, um, knowing that this is 
food for our infants and that there's not a lot of alternatives. Perhaps we really, you know, in terms of the government, it seems that we really dropped the ball on having safety nets because all it took was the closure of one large factory to cause such a significant um, decline in the production and such significant issues for the families in our country. So I think that this is in a lot of ways really opened up that discussion and I've seen interviews with the CEO of Abbott and just talking about you know the way that we handle formula production in this country in terms of you know the number of companies that are really big players in the space, the number of factories, the limited number of factories that are actually producing it, the way we've limited um, importing formulas. I think those are all things that are gonna be, need to be uh, reviewed by our government and lawmakers to ensure that we don't have situations like this recurring. I hope that this discussion was helpful for some of you parents who are going through it right now and also helpful maybe if it's not something that is hitting particularly close to home at least to understand you know what all this buzz is about and why it's such an important issue for us all to consider. I know this is a super stressful situation so I hope that some of those tips and the guidance I've given will help you um, make some good decisions for your family and you know I also hope that uh, it gives you a little bit of hope as we do look that this is a problem that's being addressed on a large scale and there is a light at the end of the tunnel. So I really hope that we're gonna see significant improvement in this problem within the next four to six weeks. I also think that this issue really held a lens to some bigger issues that we see um, with our government and our economy and will help us all to take a better look at the way that we're handling this. Um, And also I hope it just gives you a little bit of perspective you know, for your fellow moms and dads out there, a little bit of perspective of what they're going through and how we can help them out.